Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Micah 5.2, that's where we're going to go today. Um, Read it to you. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. Bethlehem was a very small town in really the hometown of David, which is Israel's obviously greatest king other than Jesus. Um, But it was not a great or influential city. It was in fact a very small little village among thousands of other towns in Judah. And yet God chose Bethlehem as the birthplace of the Messiah, of our savior of the king of the world, the ruler. I think that's fascinating. I think it's beautiful. Uh, I think it's telling. And I think the best way I can illustrate that is my son the other day, he wanted to see pictures of the day he was born. And I said, are you sure you want to do that? And he said, yeah, I want to see. And so I started showing him these pictures. And I mean, you know, when a baby comes out, little different looking, you know, the head's looking funny, there's blood and there's all kinds of weird looking stuff all over them. And he's like, that's not me. I said, yeah, bro, it's definitely you. I was there. I remember. He's like, no, no, can't be, can't be. Look at me, look at me. I'm so handsome. My head is round, you know, like, I'm like, no, I promise that was you. And he's like, whatever, let's play video games. You know, like just moved on real quick. And I tried to make it spiritual. I was like, son, I was like, at least you were born in a hospital. You know, at least you had the comforts of blankets and, you know, safety and all this stuff. I said, but the king of kings. And he was like, okay, thanks, dad. Can we play video game? <laughs> you know, and, but I was thinking about like, oh, little town of Bethlehem. And I was thinking about how God chooses to send the Savior. And like, there's no fanfare. Like, this is, this is God's greatest gift. This is his son whom he loves, his most precious, prized, his son who was there. Like, he sends Jesus. Even when you say the name of Jesus... And he sends him to a little insignificant town to be born in a barn. Not a hotel, but with animals. It encourages me because there are people here today who hear my voice. It encourages me because so many people think and believe that you are insignificant in that your origins, your family history, your struggles, 
your challenges, your problems, your lack of Bible knowledge, all these different things. You think that this disqualifies you from God doing something great with your life. And God is so strategic. God is so magnificent. He's so wonderful. He's so thoughtful that even the place of the birth of our savior would carry significant meaning for your life. Your start, your origins, your family history, it does not disqualify you from being used by God and God doing something great in your life. The day you said yes to Jesus, it may not have meant immediate deliverance, but can I tell you that the journey that you're on, if you stay with it and keep letting Jesus do his work, God can do something great with you. Notice also we see the word ruler, ruler. If you go back to the text for a moment, you don't have to put it on the screen, but it says, whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf, yet a ruler of Israel. And this word ruler, this language is challenging because the people of Israel, friends, the Hebrews, then, even now, struggle with this because having been under so much oppression and exile, having lacked the ability to make their own decisions, being under the rule of the Romans, being pushed around, dispersed, under persecution, the idea of being under a ruler, a great king like David, who had military prowess, the idea of sticking it to the man. The idea of being the underdog that finally wins the championship. I must pause. Lord, help the Philadelphia Eagles in Jesus' name. God, help them. Sorry. I don't know if those things will kick me out of heaven or not, but I just pray about everything without ceasing. Amen. Okay, sorry. I don't even know what I was saying. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. The, the word ruler, being the underdog, being the, like, like it was, it naturally, it was it, the people, it, they wanted to rule. They wanted to win. And when Jesus came with, with, with a different kind of ideology, but a different kind of purpose than they thought that he should have. They rejected him and reject him. At the core of all of our flesh, we want to win and stick it to the people at the end of the day. And Jesus came to stick it to the devil and Jesus came to give a different kind of power to help us see that winning looks different in the kingdom. The people wanted power to dominate, but Jesus wanted to give you power to forgive. We want power to stand on top of 
whatever mountain it is. And while in the kingdom, we can go from glory to glory and be promoted and be blessed. God wants to give us power to be set free. God wants to give us peace and power in our souls for a life and life everlasting, for an abundant life. Jesus wants to give us power to think differently. He wants to give us power to cast out devils and heal the sick and raise the dead and see the blind see and the deaf hear like a different kind of power that doesn't praise you but praises him. And that's why he gets rejected because it's upside down. Power to love power to overcome, power to surrender, power to give away, power to live differently. And friends, we have to be very careful to not pursue a power from Jesus outside of his purpose for us or with our own natural dark flesh and motives, not redeemed, not regenerated by our own natural when we're in the flesh, Remember that God will reject the proud and give grace to the humble. And if your pursuit of God and Jesus is for self-gain, preservation, or promotion, you're doing exactly what the Jews did. And Jesus did not come for that kind of kingdom. Now let's be clear about something. When it's all said and done, Jesus will reign with all power, with all authority. Every victory is his. He will defeat the enemy and you will see a vicious victory by King Jesus. But in your living, Jesus says, in this life you will have trouble, take heart. I've overcome the world. That victory the the physical victory over the governments that will rest on his shoulders. That physical victory, it's in the future, but your personal victory, our corporate victory of winning people to him is our calling and purpose right now. Bethlehem means house of bread. And in John 6, 35, Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. It's interesting that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but not a house in a barn in a stable. Yet Bethlehem literally means house of bread. It goes to show you, friends, that external things like big houses, new cars, extra money, comfort, food, trips, vacations, you name it. It cannot satisfy like the bread of life can. It cannot nourish you like Jesus does. He is the bread of life. And all of those things are fine and good. And sometimes they are reflection of God's blessing. And sometimes they're not. But the reality is, is everything you gain in life, if you cannot easily throw it down as your crown unto the feet of Jesus, then it is an idol and you worship that. And furthermore, those things complement Jesus really well. But fitting Jesus into those things, it doesn't work. And at some point, you will find yourself in a place of tension and frustration because Jesus only takes one place, and that's first, and that's king. 
And so if your pursuit in life is another sports game or another degree or another vacation or more money or all these different, more presents under the tree. And if that is what wakes you up in the morning, it will leave you unsatisfied and unnourished. It will take you down a dark hole, an endless cycle, a rat race that cannot be satisfied. Only Jesus, only Jesus is the bread of life. Only he fills us and nourishes us and our souls. Only he reveals to us our purpose for living. Ephrathah, you see that in the text. It is the former name of Bethlehem. It means fruitfulness or abundance. Jesus was born in the house of fruitfulness. Isn't that so good? A satisfying house of fruitfulness. So not only does Jesus give you satisfaction, but he gives you fruitfulness for living. John 15, 1, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. In other words, in Jesus, you will live a fruitful and productive life. Jesus is contagious. Everything he touches becomes fruitful. I want to help you have a fruitful holiday season. Can I give you some tips? Here's a few tips. You should write these down. You want to have a great holiday season? First of all, be radically generous. It starts with that because God so loved the world that he gave. You can say that you love and not give, but you really cannot give if you, love, if you don't love. For God so loved the world that he freely gave. And being radically generous means different things for different people. But at the end of the day, my Bible tells me that there were three people who came and brought gifts to Jesus. And these people had had significance to them, but laying at the feet of Jesus, they recognized that there actually is no greater significance than him and his kingdom. Radically generous. Radically generous to other people. Radically generous to the kingdom of God. Radically generous in your approach to the season that this is not all about you. It's about making Jesus' name revealed. Another way to have a great holiday season would be to major on memories, not on more stuff. Major on memories, not on more stuff. Gifts are fine. They help make some memories. But at the end of the day, there will be nothing like the memories you have by holding hands, sitting around the tree, looking in each other's eyes, taking trips, going to the store, and you don't even have to buy anything, looking at Christmas lights. There are things that you can do to be present that make memories that will last more than another toy, another gift, more bracelets or rings or earrings or... Sorry, ladies, or whatever it is, necklaces, another tattoo, another whatever. I'm not saying these things are bad. I'm just saying major on memories, not on more stuff. Another way to have a great season would be to make it spiritual. Don't rely on me for 30 minutes to provide you a little bit of historical context on Jesus and on this season every day. 
wake up. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. I trust your word that you are Emmanuel, God with me. And today, as I look at the lights and as I sing these songs and as I go to work and as I do all these different things, I want to feel and know that you are with me. And you can. Because he will go to anyone who calls on his name. Another way to have a great holiday season would be to not overspend on gifts and parties. Here's what I don't want for you. I don't want for you to walk into the new year paying off last year. Not a great strategy, okay? I want to encourage you to not overspend and get in debt and start 2024 in the negative. Don't overspend on, you can have a great party with some music and with the joy of the Lord and with some community and relationships. I'm not saying you won't spend. I'm not saying you don't have to go all out. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm just encouraging you. Don't overspend. Don't, 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 don't make that the focus. Another way to have a great season would be to give good gifts and receive gifts well. You can give good gifts that are expensive. You can also give good gifts that are thoughtful and creative. And you can receive good gifts and you can receive gifts well. At the end of the day, some, some people are super awkward receiving gifts. It's like, just say thank you. Just hug the person. Just smile. Just fake cry. I don't know. Like, just don't be weird. You know, like, like we don't deserve the fact that Jesus came, that his blood covers us. Like at the other day, we are undeserving, yet he gives anyway. And with that same humble approach, thank you, Lord, thank other people. Lastly, I want to encourage you to rest, laugh, and Sabbath. Don't go into 2024 exhausted if you can control it. Rest well, laugh much, Sabbath. You can have an abundance of gifts and not be abundant. Let's be fruitful and abundant this holiday season. The key is Jesus. It's Jesus. I want to shift gears here and, and, and talk a little bit more about the origins of Jesus. This is important. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. What that means is John 1. In the beginning, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. You see the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, hovering the face of the earth. See, the unity of the Trinity, the unity of our triune God, you've got Jesus and God and the Spirit all there, all God, all one, which is so miraculous and wild that Jesus agrees to and God sends his son. He sends a part of him to earth. It's humbling. But Jesus always was. Before Bethlehem, Jesus was the creator of all things. He was before all things. 
And if Jesus is and was the creator of all things, it means that he could create something out of nothing in your life. If he's the creator of all things, if he's God, which we know he is, not just some historical figure. In fact, the origins of Jesus are, is that any major, namely, historian would say, there was a Jesus of Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, died on a cross. Now, the individual's who might be secular would say, well, we're unsure about a resurrection, but we do know a grave is empty. And the reality is this, is we believe that not only was Jesus a historical person, he is the Godhead. And he always was. And the only way to know that he's the Godhead is to get him involved in your life and watch him do the miracle creative works that he's always been doing. And anybody... Anybody who's had Jesus get involved in their life, you can attest to the fact that he's just not a historical figure. He's alive and well today. Come on, if you've been forgiven, you know Jesus is king. If you've been touched and healed, you know Jesus is king. If you've been loved, you know Jesus is king. If you've been redeemed, you know Jesus. If he's healed your marriage, if he saved your life, if he's gotten you off drugs, if he's provided resources and dollars to you, like if you've met Jesus, you know. You know, he's not just somebody's pen on paper. He's got a plan. He's got a plan. And his plan includes you. It always has. In fact, 1 Peter 1.20 writes that God chose Jesus as your ransom long ago. Before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. So that you could receive him, accept him, experience him. But in other words, the origins of Jesus aren't born in Bethlehem in a manger. The origins of Jesus is before you were even born before Jesus ever came, he was thinking of you, planning for you, preparing for you. He loves you and always has. He's always been planning to come as a ransom for your sin to get involved in your life. God's always wanted to be involved in your life, not just in a holiday season, not just on Christmas, not just on Easter, not just when you are down and out and when you're struggling, not just when you need him or when you think you need him, you always need him. But, but at any moment, I'm with you. I'm here for you. I love you. I want to be inhabited by your praises. I want to be involved with you. I want you to know me and how wonderful I am. I'm counselor. I'm king. I will fight for you. I will defend you. I'm Jesus. God's always wanted to be that to you. You know, it shows us that the glory of Jesus being in existence before he even came. It shows us that he's far more than a man. It shows us the love of Jesus that he would leave the glory of heaven for us. 
It shows us the nature of Jesus, that he would add humanity to his deity. It shows us the creativity of Jesus, that he remains fully man and fully God at his birth. It shows us the importance of Jesus, that he's God's only, somebody say only, he's God's only plan for humanity. So what's this mean for us in this holiday season? I want to conclude with this thought. What, what does this mean for us? I want you to walk away with something very practical, the origins of Jesus. Firstly, it means that Jesus is deserving of all the worship, thanksgiving, and praise for his coming. Like he was deserving of it because he's God, but he came to us and he didn't have to, he deserves the praise. And we do this, we remember Jesus in this season, going through the rituals and going through the traditions and coming to church and singing songs. And we do this through giving like the wise men. We do this through keeping Jesus in front of our family and friends and in front of the holiday madness that men, it's all about you, Jesus. I have gifts and I have resource because you enabled me to have it. It's all about him. I want to encourage you and remind you that he's deserving of it all. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for love. Thank you for kindness. Thank you for coming. Secondly, and most importantly, we must decide who Jesus is to us and put him in that place. Look at me, every person online at locations, look in these, these lovely blue eyeballs. The eyeballs aren't blue, okay. Look at me, please, hear me. You gotta decide who Jesus is to you. He's, he's either king, savior, friend, leader, Lord. He's those things or he's historical baby Jesus. He's a history lesson. Uh, he's a holiday celebration. He's a annual visit to church. He's a ritual tradition. He, he's, he's one or the other. He, 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 he can't be an inconvenience to you and also be your Lord. He, he will inconvenience you by helping you kill your flesh, but he can't be a perpetual inconvenience. He's got to be like, I love you, God. Thank you for coming. Thank you for all you've done to me. And I gladly lay down my crowns and my gifts and my hopes and my dreams and my efforts because you're king. And I know, I know when I do that, you'll breathe on my life. You'll bless my life. I know that when I do that, my life will be better. I will be satisfied because now I've tasted and I've seen and I've eaten and I've drank from the vine. It's good to be good with Jesus. Come on, somebody. Live with that. Let that sit with you. It's good to be good with Jesus. Lastly, we must celebrate Jesus through remembrance. Not only is it a mandate for us to receive communion, but sometimes in the Christmas season, communion can be neglected. It can. 
the whole purpose of Christ's coming and celebrating the Christmas season is that our Messiah has arrived. And at the end of the day, unless he comes, he can't die a brutal death. He can't be the sacrificial lamb in our place. And so the whole joy of Christmas is that he said yes. And then Jesus says yes again to the cross. And so these are connected because it's like, okay, yes, thank you for coming. I give, I lay down my crowns, I come, I worship, I have great joy, but all because I know, I know that you will, as an adult, you will make the decision again to die on the cross and then prove yourself by being resurrected. Christmas, Christmas is wonderful. It's wonderful because it, it's the hope that that this brutal death that he doesn't deserve to, that he doesn't deserve to die will lead to a resurrection that only a God can bring. I'm thankful, and so we're going to remember His cross. We're going to remember this Christmas that we have hope that cannot be defeated. Come on, you agree with that today? Can we say yes and amen? Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.